I know I hear sometimes speakers give people almost a false hope. And they'll say, well, you can become a Christian after the rapture. It would just be very difficult. That's not true. Second Thessalonians is explicitly clear that those who heard the gospel, at least in power and in clarity, God will send upon them a deluding influence that they might believe what is false. Why? Because they didn't embrace the truth so as to be saved. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part two of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Great Economic Reset. Revelation chapter 13 verse 13 says, He performs great signs so that even he makes fire come down out of heaven to earth in the presence of men. The role of the false prophet will be to make false religion appealing and captivating. And one of the tools he will use will be false religion by using false miracles. Pastor Carl will be preaching on the miracles preceding the coming global economic reset. Let's join Pastor Carl now as he continues. Now, let's see how broad his power is here in verse 12. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth, circle those two words, he makes the earth, not the physical planet, but the people of the earth, and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. So the Bible is very clear that this second beast, who is the false prophet, is so compelling that he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. In other words, he's going to facilitate a worldwide worship of sorts. He'll be able to unite all the religions under one banner. And we studied that last time. Initially, the Antichrist in religious Babylon will bring all the religions of the world together. And we've seen this through the World Council of Churches and the Protestant side. And we are seeing it like never before under the leadership of the Roman Catholic Pope and the two that preceded him. We are seeing a form of leadership to bring the world religions together under one roof. It's evil, just evil. The Pope came out in favor of civil marriages, saying that homosexual people need to be treated like families. He just hired a person as, as director of communications there in Rome who pastored a gay church, who in June said we should celebrate as Catholic churches gay month because we need to affirm the children of God who are in this evil. The Pope appointed him. And of course, at this most recent conference, just two weeks ago, he again denied that Jesus is the only way to God. And all these religions are coming together. Well, there's going to be a change, as we're going to see, and that it starts that way, but there's going to be an exclusivity of worship during this seven-year period. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, notice, whose fatal wound was healed. We've seen that already. The Bible is very clear that this second beast, this false prophet, makes the earth and all who dwell in it to worship him, and the impetus behind it is this fatal wound that is healed. So we saw that during this seven-year period, in the first half, there is an assassination attempt, and it's successful on the Antichrist. He is murdered, and the world will be watching, and three and a half days later, he will literally come to life. And people will say, who is like the beast? 
Now, this will be Satan's counterfeit miracle. It will be real. He will be dead. Some people say, well, he didn't really die. He was just, you know, hurt or appeared to die. No, the same kind of Greek grammatical structure is used of the lamb as if he was slain. Was Jesus literally slain? Yes, it's actually a way to teach the opposite, to emphasize the truth that this man was literally dead. And so he gets those who dwell on the earth to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. Now we studied, if you look back at verses three and four of this chapter, that he had this fatal wound, he was dead, but he comes back to life. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. Clearly these two are linked together, they're a duo. They're working together in one another's presence. They fit hand in glove. This is the man who is coming who is going to lead this great coming reset in the economic realm. That's the first thing I want you to see. Secondly, I want us to consider the miracles that will precede, the miracles preceding the coming global economic reset. The miracles that will precede the coming global economic reset. And so the role of the false prophet will be to make false religion appealing and captivating and palatable. And one of the tools that he will use will be false religion and uh, false, uh, propagated and boosted up by false miracles. Look, if you will, now at verse 13. He performs great signs so that he makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Now, please understand this word sign, I think most of you know, is the word samion. It's one of the words in the Bible for a miracle. It's one of John's favorite words. John in his gospel records seven miracles prior to the resurrection, five that are unique to his gospel. And it's the word that you would typically use when you had a miracle with a message. And so there's a message behind all of this. Remember, these miracles are going to get people to look at the Antichrist. Paul told us when we study the abomination of desolation in 2 Thessalonians 2 that the Antichrist coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. And one of the false wonders will be fire coming down out of heaven. Now, this is not some sleight of hand, hocus pocus kind of act. These are real miracles performed under the devil's power. And again, they will be part of the judgment upon those who heard the gospel prior to the rapture. I know I hear sometimes speakers give people almost a false hope, and they'll say, well, you can become a Christian after the rapture, it would just be very difficult. That's not true. Second Thessalonians is explicitly clear that those who heard the gospel, at least in power and in clarity, God will send upon them a deluding influence that they might believe what is false. Why? Because they didn't embrace the truth so as to be saved. And so just like the two witnesses who will do miracles and the two witnesses that are described in Revelation 11, they seem to mimic the ministries of Moses and Elijah. And so if I were to bet who they might be, I would choose those two, especially in the fact that Jesus discusses the coming kingdom with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, but they do the same kind of miracles. And add to that, we're told that Elijah is going to come back before the second coming of Christ. The Revelation teaches that, Malachi teaches that the Gospels affirm it. And so here are these two witnesses who've brought fire down from heaven. So here comes this 
Beast number two, and he brings fire down from heaven, and no doubt will quote scripture with it to try to give credence to who he is. Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given him to perform and the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Here's the third time this miraculous supernatural healing of the Antichrist is underscored. Now, he's not resurrected. He's raised to life like other people are in Scripture. Jesus uniquely is resurrected. But nonetheless, he was dead and his fatal wound was healed. He's brought back to life. Remember what Jesus said during this time frame in Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead if possible, and grammatically meaning it's not possible, but if possible, even the elect, to mislead even the elect. In other words, it will not be possible but this will be about as close as you can get if it were possible. Powerful, powerful, deluding miracles that the world will embrace and believe. And so we've already studied back here in verse four of this chapter. They worship the dragon, that is the devil, because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? So it's the miracle of the Antichrist coming back to life that makes the beast popular. And they recognize that he received his power from Satan. You say people will worship Satan. That's what the text says. But Satan no doubt will present himself again as a glorious, magnificent angel of the universe. And people will embrace him because of this counterfeit miracle. The wound that he had by the sword. Look at verse 14 again. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come back to life. Here for a third time, underscoring this supernatural miracle that really shakes the foundations of Christianity because he's basically saying Jesus is no greater than the Antichrist. Verse 15, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, the rest of the Bible tells us that this specific event will take place in a rebuilt temple. And of course, the Orthodox people are deeply committed, many of them, to the rebuilding of the temple. When we were there on May the 14th, 2018, for the 70th anniversary, crowds of cheering Orthodox Jews were going through the streets saying, we want to rebuild the temple. We want to rebuild the temple. As I noted a few weeks ago, all of the clothing for the Kohan, the priests, have been made. All of the temple furniture has been reproduced. In fact, they have architectural plans that you can see that we looked at there in the Temple Institute. And they even are training Levite priests. They have over 500 DNA-certified Levites that they are training in this sacrificial system. Now, I mention this because what the prophet Daniel calls the abomination of desolation that we just read when we began in Matthew 24, 15, takes place in a rebuilt temple. 
And that's what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, that the Antichrist is the one who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And then here in verse 15 of our text, it describes how the Antichrist will do this. And it says, and it was given to him to give breath to the image. So this second beast, the false prophet, will give breath to this image. There's going to be some kind of a statue there in the temple. And it's going to come alive. So that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So in the city of Jerusalem, the Antichrist and his false prophet will march into a rebuilt temple and they will commit the abomination of desolation. And the abomination of desolation takes place on two levels. One is we just read from 2 Thessalonians 2, he claims to be God Almighty. You say, what's so evil about that? Jesus did it. It's evil for this man because it wasn't true. I mean, Jesus went in the temple, he said, this is my father's house. He made himself equal to the Father. And so his just claiming that he is God in and of itself would not necessarily be a defilement except with that which accompanies this act. There's an image, and this is in violation of the Decalogue. Moses wrote in the Ten Commandments, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. And so those Jews who had not at this point had their eyes open through the 144,000 missionaries and evangelists, through the two witnesses on the Temple Mount, and through even an angel who will preach the gospel during this time frame, those who had not yet believed in Jesus, this will seal the deal. They will recognize that this one they thought was the Messiah could not possibly be the Messiah because God would not violate his own Ten Commandments. And so he'll desecrate the holy place by committing the abomination of desolation, and I suspect he'll probably do it in the Holy of Holies. And we're going to learn next time from the Olivet Discourse that this will be the time when many of the Jews will flee for protection. You say, you think people will really respond to some image coming alive? Are you kidding me? Do you remember what happened in Florida about a decade ago? There on a bank window, a stain formed after a rain and it looked like an image of the Virgin Mary. And literally thousands of people showed up and made shrines there. And finally the bank had to remove the window and put a new glass in. And then some guy, he toasted his toast in the toaster and he came out with an image of the Virgin Mary. I think he sold it for 20K, if I remember. People, especially deceived people, those who have rejected the truth will believe all kinds of lies. And so the world is being set, preset for this coming deception. So let's go to Roman numeral three there on your outline, which brings us to the method behind the coming global economic reset. Beyond the man, beyond the miracles, let's think for just a moment about the method behind the coming global economic reset. We pick it up here in verse 16. And he causes all, you should circle that word all. Some of you don't bring a Bible because you don't have one. Come tonight, 5.30, meet the pastor, you'll get a beautiful Bible. And he causes all, meaning all types, all classes of people here in the context. He causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on, his right, on their right hand or on their forehead. 
This will be the crowning spiritual decision for many people. Unless some think that this is some forced thing or they're tricked into it, it won't be some trick. I had a couple of Marines come in during COVID when they were being required to get the plug. It really wasn't a vaccine, was it? Because it didn't protect you from anything. Even the president who'd been jabbed, I don't know how many times got it. That was poetic justice. Hmm. Well, one Marine wanted to know, could this be the mark of the beast? No, not at all. Remember, the Antichrist won't be revealed until the Great Tribulation. We're not in the Great Tribulation. And this is not like, oh, I was tricked into it. Ah, I got the mark of the beast. It's too late. No, when it says he causes all, it's critical that you take this in the context. It sounds like he's got a gun to their head and he causes you to take the mark. No, the cause contextually is in the sense that if you want to be able to buy or sell anything, you must take the mark. Not to mention many are going to be enamored with the Antichrist. They've already stated the crowds, the multitude, who is like the beast? This is an exciting day for the people. They'll line up to get the mark, to take uh, his name, as it were, upon their skin, either on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, with that said, I want us to think for just a moment why some people will take it. And let me suggest at least three reasons. Number one, some will take it because they're absolutely convinced. Some will take his mark because they are convinced that this man is who he claimed to be. And so, look, when people reject the truth long enough, they will believe a lie. In fact, Paul uses, as I noted when we studied 2 Thessalonians 2, he says they will believe the lie. They are going to believe the lie that the Antichrist is who he claimed to be. And of course, Jesus taught this principle. When you are given truth, and some of you are listening to me, and you've never been regenerated by the Spirit of God, the direction of your life has not changed because you've not been born again. You're just in the same old wicked ways. And you've tuned into this broadcast for whatever reason. You're playing with fire by doing nothing with the truth. Listen to what Jesus said, because this is applicable not just for this future time frame, as Paul said, but for today. John 12, 35, Jesus said, while you have the light, believe in the light, in order that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, and he departed and hid himself from them. But though he had performed many signs, or again, it's the word for miracles, miracles with a message, though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. And then John quotes the prophet Isaiah, for this cause they could not believe. In other words, because they were not believing, the King James says, because they would not believe, they came to a place where they could not believe. Look, you don't draw yourself into the kingdom of God. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. By nature, there is no one who seeks God. And if your experience at four or five is you had a heart for the things of God, that was only because God initiated with you, probably in response to the prayers of your people, uh, your grandparents, your friends, your neighbors, your, your loved ones, your parents. But God initiates. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. So you don't draw yourself to God. God works in your heart. And while God is long-suffering, you keep saying, no, 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 not today. 
eventually God will give you your wish. Listen to how Jesus said it in the parable of the sower in Luke 8 and verse 12. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So when a heart is habitually unresponsive, that person can reach a point where they will not believe and be saved. So some will take this mark because they are convinced, and Paul makes it clear, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence that they might believe literally the lie. But there's a second reason. Some will take this mark because they are convinced, but some will take this mark, no doubt, because they are cowardly. They don't want to deal with opposition. Listen to what Jesus said in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. There was a book, by the way, that came out years ago on evangelical presses. It sold like hotcakes, and it described the various first three soils. The first one is an unbeliever. The next two is carnal Christians, and the third one, and the fourth one is a as uh, a spirit-filled Christian. That is just so far from the truth. And I sat next to that man because we were both uh, directors of uh, ministries of different cities with executive ministries in, in New York City. And I sat and I said, man, you, you missed it. The first three soils are unbelievers. The one whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You meet people like that, right? They come to a church like this, they get excited, they get emotional, they receive it with joy. Yet, has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. It's interesting how Jesus said it in the parallel passage in Luke 8, no doubt on another occasion, but Luke words it like this, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root, but Luke adds, they believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. So they receive the word, they get excited, but their belief is only intellectual. They get emotional, but it never touches the will. Look, every time you see the word believe, it's not always in reference to saving faith. Simon in Acts 8 believed, but Peter said, you're still in the bondage of iniquity. John 8, Jesus speaks of those who believed. They were giving intellectual assent to what he said, but he goes on to say, you're of your father the devil. So there's a lot of people who have a false salvation. It's intellectual only. They have a reformation. They clean up their act momentarily, but they're not regenerated. They have light, but they don't have life. There's not genuine conversion. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Not so on this particular soil. And so they make some outward confession, but it doesn't represent an inward reality. And so when someone is like this and they begin to meet persecution or affliction or opposition, they typically crumble. And that will be especially true during this time, because if you don't take the mark of the beast, which becomes a requirement halfway through, you'll be killed. You'll be executed. Not to mention you won't be able to buy or sell anything. So another reason, a third reason some I think will take the mark is because they're consumed. They're consumed with a multiplicity of various sins. 
We read in Luke 8 and verse 14, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, we're going to learn in just a moment, again, you won't be able to buy or sell anything unless you take the mark. Uh, we have already studied from Revelation chapter 6 that there will be such hyperinflation during this time. A man will work hard all day and barely be able to feed his family. It will be a horrible time on the earth. And so some people will be more in love with their stomach. Paul says of unbelievers, their God is their stomach. Some people live for food. That's their God. And that will certainly be true of some. Some live for pleasure. Many people in this nation, the only thing they're interested in is their next sex partner. It's just wicked. It is wicked what is happening today. And during this coming time, there will be some who will be more in love with this life, and they will be consumed. They will be cowardly. They will not respond. You say, well, this is just ignorant and uneducated people. Oh, no, 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 no. Look at verse 16. And he causes all, all kinds of people, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves. Notice the global sweep. First, the small and the great, meaning the Antichrist falling will touch every social category, the untouchables in India all the way to the royal family in England, the poor person to the millionaire. The Antichrist doesn't care whether you're well-bred or whether you're disowned, whether you're slave or free. You say, slavery? That doesn't exist anymore. Oh, yes, it does. It's still across the planet. The United Nation estimates five years ago, they said 21 million. Now they say 48 million. And of course, one of the principal ways that slavery is expressed is in human sex trafficking. And I see these little girls that some of our border agents have rescued, 10, 11, and 12 years old, and you would think our president cared enough about them to shut the borders, but he's opening the borders and they're being raped and abused by men. They're slaves of men. And of course, in many nations of the world, there's what we call collateral debt bondage, where if you go into debt and you can't pay your debt, then you will serve that person. And if it's not paid off before you die, then your kin will serve that person. And God, knowing the future, writes even during this time of the free and the slaves. So what I want you to see in these three couplets and these three expressions is that it represents every cultural category upon the earth. Now let's read all of verse 16. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now the Greek word for mark is the Greek word uh, karagma. And it is used of uh, an etching, a brand. Uh, outside of Scripture, it's used only in two other places. If a body wasn't branded, today the common expression would be a tattoo. But if the body wasn't branded, then it could be used of a snake bite. It was used for that, where the teeth marks have created a mark. Or it can be used of a man who marked his camel as ownership of his own property. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program God's Prophetic Schedule 017. 
Don't forget that tomorrow, Pastor Carl's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. You can hear more of Audrey's messages on the Search of Scriptures app found on the iTunes and Google Play Store. Also, check out her podcast, Rare But Real, on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast platforms. You can also listen to her podcast at searchthescriptures.org. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue to search the scriptures.